Coming up on episode 29 of the Black Daddy Podcast. Yeah, I was definitely the like smart kid growing up, I guess, in school. And so going to MIT for college meant that that's just not possible to be that person anymore because there were so many smart people. And so that was really freeing. Um, space to say, well, who else am I? Like, how else can I define myself? And so it became more about, you know, community development. And I played basketball and ran track while I was there and just did other things, you know, that were important to me. Um, but growing up, I mean, my family, like I said, was really big on youth development, really big on education. Um, just being organized and orderly was just a big part of our lives. Michaela Streeter, founder of Atlanta's Life School, joins us to talk about empowering and teaching our children to solve real-world problems using some out-of-the-box methods. This episode is full of solutions. Let's get it started. Come on, children, don't be shy. It's the baddest family podcast in the land. Bringing people and the finest in entertainment together. The Black Daddy Podcast. Yes, this is the Black Daddy Podcast. And let me tell you, I'm excited for this one, people. We have a treat. We're going to take it a little bit different today. We're going to go the educating your children route. And I'm so excited because this guest is absolutely going to blow your mind with some of the amazing things that she's doing in the Atlanta, Georgia area. And we are proud to introduce Michaela Streeter to the Black Daddy Podcast. Michaela is an experienced educator who has been working to empower black and brown students through project-based learning and STEM education. That's S-T-E-M education, which she will explain here in a minute. So Michaela founded a high school in Atlanta named The Life School that uses project-based learning to provide multidisciplinary, collaborative, and a personalized approach to each student's education. I love that one. This is a unique education model that can also be used by parents at home, hello, to customize their child's education and supplement the learning the child gets at school. Black Daddy Podcast listeners, I want to present to you Miss Michaela Streeter. Hey, Michaela. Hey, Donald. Thanks for having me. Hey, we're so excited to have you. Uh, it's so much to talk about, Michaela. Let me open up our conversation with a fun question. You ready, Michaela? I'm ready. So because you've uh, attended some of the top institutions in the world, including MIT and Stanford, uh, and because you've encountered some of the best teachers that our world has to offer, Michaela, tell us uh, who was your favorite teacher before college and why? Yeah, that's a great question. So my favorite teacher was one of my high school teachers named Mrs. Lee. And so she taught, we were in a, a science and technology program within our school. So we took like engineering classes and different things, plus the um, like traditional classes. Yeah. And so she taught one of those classes and she was just um, really great about uh, pushing us to do real world work. And so not just saying, oh, cool, I made a bridge like out of popsicles, but really thinking <laughs> like, you know, how would this bridge hold up in society and how would you get it implemented into a town or a city or how would you know that I was strong and getting us to really think like if you want to become an engineer as a career these are the bigger questions that you need to ask like these are real people's lives Mm -hmm. you know that are on the line Mm -hmm. and challenging our design challenging our thinking was um, very formative for me absolutely I love that I love how you said uh, you know giving you that that real world application of what you were learning Um, hey as you know as, as an educator 
sometimes the traditional model of school, you know, if truth be told, it's super antiquated. You know, it's, it's kind of rooted in the industrial revolution uh, and, and a lot of old methods. And to talk to someone like you who is, like I would say, on the ground level um, of reaching students to kind of empower them to give and to also to, to, to serve and to. Uh, and to work not just for the sake of working, but to provide solutions in the real world. I think that's great. So, hey, thank you so much for sharing about Mrs. Lee. Uh, let's back up a little bit. What what inspired you to go into education, Michaela? Well, our family is really big in youth development. So, you know, my mom taught a Sunday school class and my dad led the Boy Scouts. And, and so they, we were just always around other students and always seeing them develop other kids that, you know, were in these groups. And so that was my model. And so when I got to college, I mean, that was just so familiar. And then when I got to um, uh, after college and started working, I just I missed that part of uh, my life. And so I'm like working at a software company in Silicon Valley. I'm there every day and just very minimal contact with, you know, people in the community or a building community in some way. Hmm. Um, and so I started looking for opportunities and then decided to first start as a tutor and then found that I loved working with students, which kind of surprised me because I was pretty shy in high school, but it was actually a really great experience and I wasn't as awkward as I thought I would be. Mm-hmm. And then um, uh, from there decided that, you know, if there was an opportunity to um, start teaching and be more involved with students, that it was just so rewarding. And so I'm um, such an incredible experience working with them, seeing them grow that I wanted to do more of that. Wow, that's so cool. And you said you, you were in Silicon Valley for, for for how long before you started teaching, Michaela? Oh, I lived there seven years total, but wow. the, I probably worked in tech for two years okay. and then before I started teaching. Wow, wow. So I love it because now as a teacher, you have a lot of the real world experience in the technology sector that you can offer your students. I think that's so great because um, instead of like rolling right out of college, you know, you kind of getting your degree in education, not, not to knock anybody who does, but I think it does help a lot um, having a STEM school that you actually worked in the tech world. I'm pretty sure that that's super beneficial for, for, for your kids as well. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's great to be able to say, you know, when I was working in tech, these are just kind of the tools that we use and this is the way that we thought about, you know, our projects. But then, I mean, I think especially because tech technology moves so quickly, that it's important to still stay connected. So I worked on um, other startups and um, just worked on different side projects where I'm still continuing to make things, still continuing to stay a part of different entrepreneurship communities to know what the latest things are to share with students. That's awesome. So like you're still very much connected to uh, to the world that you're um, training your students to, to be released. And I think that's, that's super phenomenal. And I love it that uh, as a high school teacher, um, you're actually able to give them information that is still going to be pretty ap- applicable. Like whenever they, they graduate high school, like you're not coming from a place of um, of being so far gone out of uh, out of being in the in the industry where it's like the information that they're getting is is old. That's so, so, so cool. Uh, give me three things that you think the traditional model of schooling misses uh, as it relates to preparing students f- for the real world. Yeah, I mean, I think the biggest thing that, and that we focus on at our school is, you know, looking at where students are developmentally. Mm-hmm. So, and, and Maria Montessori and, and thinking about progressive education and everyone who was 
involved there really mapped out um, different lo- different stages of development. So where are students when they're um, babies and toddlers and what kinds of things do they need to know? What kind of questions are they asking and where are they in elementary school? And then when they become teenagers, right, the kinds of questions that they're asking are different because they're at a different stage in their lives. They're starting to get this awareness that they're going out into the world and that they need to contribute, you know, that it's um, they want to have a job, if they just want to have a sense of purpose, you know, in their lives, like being able to answer those questions of who am I and, and what can I contribute, you know, really driving how they look at themselves and how they fit into community. And so um, I, I think that traditional high school is often not as focused on that. You sort of assume like if I just, if we just teach students everything else that there is to know in the world, they'll somehow figure out you know, what they need to know or what they want to do with their lives. But we see so many students go on to college or not go and just not have a clear sense of, of what they could be doing with their lives. And so instead at our school, we focus a lot on, you know, giving them space to explore those interests and say, well, you kind of like video games or um, you kind of like music. Can you make a video game? Can you sell it? Yeah. You know, can you get an internship and to be able to to really begin to think like it's not this far off thing, those things that you kind of like or you kind of interested in, you can start to do now and get a much clearer sense of where your life is headed and what you could do now and in the future. Oh, that is so good. That is so good because you're so uh, practical with what the kids learn once again. And I love how you said um, how the, tr- the traditional model is so big on teaching them everything and then eventually you know, whenever they go off to school, they're going to pretty much carry that same approach into their their college years where they where they have this this platter of of everything laid out before them. And they have to try to figure out, uh, you know, in their early adult years, like what it is that they want to do. And I think, correct me if I'm wrong, um, if you disagree, but it, it, it seems like that could end up even perpetuating um, in particular with with males. Uh, kind of like this this prolonged adolescence where it's like they are still sifting through and trying to find out like who they want to be in a way. Um, and it seems like that could be because uh, that opportunity, not necessarily that, that, that it was missed, but uh, it was looked over at the time where they are really trying to explore like who they are. You know what I'm saying? And so we kind of give them more room for uh, a much longer period of time to, to figure out who they are. And it's it's just so cool that in this model of school, they answer those questions a whole lot earlier so that they can then begin to, in a way, become experts in their field much sooner. Like, you know, getting a uh, getting an internship and practicing pretty much what they learn a whole lot earlier. That, that's, that's really, really cool. Really, really cool. Um, so let's switch gears and go into how uh, how the life school. So. Uh, first, that's a really cool name. Why is it called the Life School, Michaela? Yeah, so Life stands for learning through immersion, fascination, and empowerment. So those are, I mean, those are things that we really want to highlight in the students' experience. That uh, the students have the space to dig in deep into topics, whether they're things they're already interested in or things that um, they're being exposed to and trying out. Uh, and we want to focus on like, well, what interests you? What like catches your eye? Or if, if you tried this new thing, would it then spark some interest or spark some um, connection that you hadn't considered before? You know, and so and, some, and sometimes it's really small. So here we had 
one student write a novel and then another student who hadn't talked about writing at all was like, wait, we can write novels. <laughs> oh, I want to write a novel, <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that, um, that growth and that exposure is such a big part, but really then it's not just enough to see that it's possible, but be really being empowered to make it happen. So having the resources, you know, the money to, buy that 3D printer or um, get that writing pad or whatever it is that you need to make that thing a reality. And then also having the coaching and support. So um, so our model isn't just with teachers supporting students day to day. We also have a team of coaches that work with students. So people who are professionals in their field who come um, once a week or once a month or whatever to work with students on like, you know, I'm your entrepreneurship coach. And so, um, Let's just go over the businesses that you're thinking about or where you are, the the venture that you're working on, and let's see how we can push this idea forward. We have like an investing coach. So some kids are playing the stock market game to practice like how do I invest first fake money in the stock market and build some habits before I try to invest real money. You know, and so he sits and goes over like, well, how do you approach this? How do you review different companies? And so um, so you get the benefit of the people who are there day to day and building those relationships, but also the expertise of other people who, who don't want to like leave their full-time job and come be a teacher, but um, still want to work with students and have something really great to contribute. You are also giving them once again, a, uh, a real life example of someone who has the knowledge base of what they may be interested in going into in the future. So it's not just a, a textbook, you know, or, or even like you said, as, as they're exploring what they want to do, it's not just left there, but then, they're given someone to, to give them uh, more of a, re- a real world picture of what those things look like in that particular area. Uh, give us some more examples of how the interdisciplinary projects prepare students for for real life. So we have two different kinds of projects. So we have a, a group challenge project where students pick a topic and we explore it together. Um, and that's really about like exposure to something new. And then they have their own passion projects where they say, I'm already interested in this thing, but I want to dig into it. And so um, so if you look at, say, the group project. So right now they picked entrepreneurship. And so um, we've learned how to um, use spreadsheets to analyze data and to um, set up financial statements. And so students have already started to use it for their own businesses outside of like our group practice. Um, we talked about ethics. And how do you apply ethics in business and also in your everyday lives so that like they're not going off and starting businesses that hurt people. They're, you know, starting businesses that benefit the community. Mm-hmm. Um, we also talked about innovators throughout history. So like Rockefeller and JP Morgan and Vanderbilt and all these people, how did they grow their businesses to start from like without the internet and without venture capital, like all these things, how did they grow the railroad and the oil business? Um, so they were really interested in like Rockefeller created the pipeline, the oil pipeline, you know, and that's now what people use all the time to get oil around the country. But like it was, uh, it wasn't a thing. People put oil in barrels and put them on trains. And so that was really fascinating for them, especially with the North Dakota access pipeline um, protest right now. So, um, and so that we talked, there's history and the math. And um, we also did some graphic design and how do you um, create a tribe or like a, a community around your brand. And so how do you get to the level of like Apple or, or Nike where people are just so excited to be a part of your community? How do you create that? And how do the visuals play a part in that? 
And so really you need all of these different pieces, you know, to be able to tell the story of entrepreneurship, mm-hmm. you know? And so if we'd only done math or we'd only done history, we'd only, you know, done the English part, you wouldn't, you know, you wouldn't be able to start a business because you'd only see it from one silo, one lens. Absolutely. Absolutely. And when you're talking about uh, ethics and business and the reason behind why we do what we do, uh, what it sounds like you're talking about is like creating culture, you know, in, in businesses. And if truth be told, you know, even, even as a, as an adult, like, like both you and I know at this point, it's like, you know, you can definitely love what you do, um, as an educator, uh, or even, you know, if, if someone has a business or, uh, if someone is working in the medical field or even if they're working retail, but I think many times what, what really, um, keeps people on their job or what gives them a sense of morale, uh, it's the culture of that particular workplace. And so, uh, how cool is it that, that your students are learning, uh, these things now where they can start to formulate, um, what they want the culture of their particular workplace to be. And, and they take it as a, as a personal ownership type of thing where they become essentially the change that they want to see in the world. Now, for those who don't know, Michaela, about the STEM school model, can you explain that? And, We'll kind of give people a cliff notes version of, of what the STEM school model entails. Sure. Yeah. So STEM stands for science, technology, engineering, and math. And some people like to add in the A. I like to add in the A for STEAM. So for arts, so that you're making things that are both functional and beautiful. And I think that in this, the time that we're in, I mean, it's almost impossible to have a school that's not technically a STEAM school. How do you prepare students for a world where so much is driven by technology Mm -hmm. um, and not give them some, you know, useful foundation in math and science technology. And so, but, but that doesn't mean, so for us to be a STEM school or STEAM school doesn't mean that, you know, we also do writing. We all, like I said, we also do history. You know, we also think about travel and politics and different things happening in the world. Uh, It's just that like in order to, you know, do so many of those things and use so many different resources that technology powers a lot of that, whether it's, you know, you know, everyone has a computer. Um, We're constantly like Googling things and searching for things. You know, we do all our communication and project management on the computer. And so they're really learning how to use technology in in more powerful ways to manage their projects and to think through ideas uh, in a way that in the ways that they'll have to do in college and as professionals. Absolutely. Absolutely. And in talking about the technology computer side, um, it's, it's amazing that, uh, you know, potentially some of the most open job opportunities are in computer programming. So, Michaela, give give parents who are listening right now uh, some ways that they could expose their children and thinking about the T in the STEM. Uh, give them some ways that they can expose their children to computer programming. Yeah, I mean, there's so many different ways to do that. So there are tons of tools online. There's um, Scratch, which is a great tool for uh, students to create stories and, and animations and games. Um, there's also Ear Sketch, which comes from Georgia Tech. Uh, so I'll give Ben Atlanta a shout out. <laughs> um, and then so they allow you to create music. So you can write code that creates digital music, which is pretty cool. And they have like beats from Jay-Z and like different people. So it's cool. Um, There's just so many different tools. It just depends a lot on what you want to make. So those allow you to create code on the computer, 
But then if your child's more hands-on, they're robotics kids, Lego Mindstorms. They have, um, so Lego has a number of different robotics kits. Mm. Some that are, are just like require a ton of Legos and a ton of building and then some code and some that are just like less building and more focused on the code. And so families can pick in that range, which is kind of cool based on the combo that you want. And then there's um, like Arduinos and Raspberry Pis, which are great. Like I was trying to think of, um, I want to turn on lights in my backyard. Like they're just like these, all these trees and turn them on at night. Mm. And so could I create uh, a sensor, you know, that detects one that it's dark outside and then like flip some switch, you know, to turn on the, the lights in the backyard. So that when I drive in or drive out, like I can see. That is so cool. That is so, so cool. And I'm pretty sure uh, whenever you expose a child uh, to that world of, again, of of uh, of solving a real world problem, like potentially being able to light up mommy or daddy's driveway. I mean, that is just really, 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 really neat. And how how um, how hands on that is. That is really, really cool. Um, take me through. Like, for example, you know, we we just um, not just uh, we, we have a baby girl. She's she's seven months old. And as I'm thinking forward to our little girl, Gia, whenever she is, let's say the age of um, of two or three, um, whenever they're they're playing around with, you know, with the, the typical toys that a two or three year old plays around with. Um, what would be your advice to a parent like me, Michaela, who maybe has like a younger child to kind of set them up for um, for kind of like this, this, this lane and set them up for this. Uh, for this little niche, if you will, of being interested in technology, like without sitting them in front of a, a computer screen and having them bang on a keyboard, what are maybe some some other things that uh, that we could expose, you know, two to five year olds to really early to kind of get them started on this on this journey? Yeah, so there is a toy that I saw recently that was super interesting. It's like a caterpillar that you code. It's called a codepillar from Fisher Price. <laughs> That's cool. Have you heard of this? I haven't heard of it. That's so cool. Okay. Yeah. So instead of it being on a like a tablet or a computer to create the code, you um, combine different blocks. And so there's a block that, and to make the tail of the caterpillar. And so you put the turn right um, block, you put the turn left block, the turn around or the like speak block. And then it just executes the, the blocks from the head of the caterpillar down the tail. And it moves based on like how you organize the blocks. And so you could set up a maze and try to get your caterpillar to like crawl through the maze. So they're interesting, like hands on things like that. That could be really fun. Um, I think also just like Legos are cool. Uh, and so you're learning to be creative instead of like getting the kit. If you just get the raw box of Legos, mm-hmm. then, you know, then you have to use your imagination. There are also cardboard tools. Okay. And so you get like whatever box of cardboard you have around the house or from the hardware store. But then they have kid friendly hard cardboard cutters. Oh, wow. Maybe they have, they have like, like. Uh, tools that are friendlier even for younger kids Mm -hmm. but so that you're you just have like basic stuff and you have to apply your creativity and imagination to make it into something oh wow that is so neat so so neat so i got you so coda pillar and cardboard tools how awesome is that thank you so much for sharing that's that's super super helpful um 
So with you founding the life school, let's kind of switch into uh, business talk. I'm pretty sure going from corporate America into, um, in a way, starting your, your own thing. I'm pretty sure that took a lot of, uh, of tenacity, a lot of uh, willpower, um, a lot of faith on your part. Take us through the journey, Michaela, of kind of like jumping off the mountain and waiting for your parachute to open in, in a sense. Like, what was that like for you leaving corporate America and what seems like to be your your uh, your call in, in life? Uh, founding the life school. No, no pun intended, but, um, what was <laughs> yeah. that, what was that like for you? Kind of, you know, going from corporate America into founding the, the, the life school? Yeah. So there were a few more steps in between. So okay. I, um, worked as a software developer and I was tutoring. And then I taught for, um, four years at a high school, taught computer science, worked in the, in the dorms at that school, uh, in California. And so that was really pivotal just to like learn how to support students. And how to design curriculum. So we designed this whole like four-year curriculum of computer science and engineering, um, and uh, robotics teams and programming teams. And then in the dorms, you know, I worked with students on homework and just like life. And so kind of what you were saying earlier about you know boys getting used to you know being ready in the world, being ready for the world. So I had um, junior and senior boys who were like right at the cusp of going out. And so some would get to senior year and be really excited to jump out there. And others were like, whoa, I need to like manage my whole life now. Hold <laughs> up. <laughs> so seeing that process for them, it's like, well, thinking, really got me thinking about like, how do we support these students so they feel even more prepared um, so that we're releasing more of the responsibility earlier on, even if it means that sometimes they stumble or fall but that they have this safe space, you know, to get that support and get back up and keep going. Mm-hmm. You know, what would it look like? Because we would have so many really great conversations in the evenings over dinner and things like that before they started their homework. Yeah. And they'd be like, well, we can't continue this great conversation about like something happening in your family or in your community because now you have to go do your homework. And it's like, but there was so much learning and so much, you know, passion that was happening in that conversation. How do we bring that more into the day and, and pull more of the learning out of that? And so a lot of um, what's in the school, I was telling someone the other day that like our schools reached a point where it feels like a dorm, even though the kids go home at night because we're able to build, you know, those relationships more. And we have that flexibility to sit and have a conversation about whatever's, you know, happening in someone's life or or on someone's mind. Absolutely. And so, you know, teaching dorms. And then I wanted to see like just sort of a bigger picture of education. So I started a previous company, an ed tech company called Applyful, where we help families um, see college, not just as like a bunch of stats, but as, you know, a holistic experience. This is a town, you're going to live here. Mm. Who are the people? What is the culture? Um, And so that was really a good experience to begin to see, like, what does it take to start a business? You know, what does it take to build a team and build a technology tool? Um, And so even though it didn't work out, I learned a ton about what that all takes. And um, and then went on from there to grad school at Stanford to get my master's in education and saw, you know, so many different ways to educate students, so many different ways to think about teaching and learning and really began to crystallize uh, the ideas that are now in the school. So when I moved to Atlanta, you know, I had you know, this teaching experience and, um, you know, this education foundation from grad school to be able to pull on 
uh, and previous entrepreneurship experience, business experience. Yeah. Hey, why why Atlanta? Um, out of out of any other city, why why Atlanta? Yeah, I mean Atlanta is a great city. There are so many um, people here who are working on different business ideas. It's um, really close to other places, mm-hmm. so there's a lot in the city. But we can also go around to other cities and see the different things that are happening here. Um, also knowing that I wanted to, uh, create a private school. I didn't want to start a school where it's sort of reinforced stereotypes about communities where it's like, you know, all the wealthy people are from one community and all the poor people from another community. You know, I wanted there to be a diversity socioeconomically and racially. Mm-hmm. And so, um, so really, I mean, Atlanta, was one of probably the few places in the country that I could really do that. So, you know, so there's so many reasons to be in Atlanta, but those are a few (laughs) proximity to other cool places, Atlanta being a cool place itself, um, the different, all the different types of families um, and cultures, all the history, uh, Atlanta. uh, And then of course I'm closer to home. So my family lives in DC (laughs) than California. Yeah. 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 How awesome is that? Because um, I I lived in Atlanta myself for, for for two years. We lived in in College Park. Um, I was I was there like in my sixth and seventh grade year of, of middle school, uh, and I went to North Clayton Middle School. Mm-hmm. Um, yep, yep. Went there went there for for two years. So um, so for sure, I agree. Atlanta is definitely uh, an amazing city to be, and like you said, just culturally, like it's super culturally influential um it is definitely the uh as some would call it the the mecca of the south for sure for sure mm-hmm. um hey i see that one of your partners uh is unschool adventures and i thought that was so cool because i remember maybe three or four years ago um there were there was there's a, a number of ted talks about this idea of of unschooling uh so i'm going to give you the the floor on that what uh, what is so intriguing or what it what is so powerful about and you've you kind of cover some of the tenets of unschooling but uh from your perspective Michaela what what's so powerful about this this concept of if someone who hasn't heard of it before of unschooling yeah so unschooling takes the idea that every student is their own individual person and that their path through knowledge and through life is unique to them that unlike the traditional school model that says everyone learns about earthworms in seventh grade and everyone learns about, you know, world history in 10th grade, it says that a kid could be four and want to learn about world history. And again, in ninth grade, like that every person is their own. And so it's really about taking like, what is this student interested in right now? And then how do we allow them to explore it and then to further push that into other interests? You give the student time to become an individual, you know, and, and really, Michaela, I, I think a, a common theme of of your story started with you, with your mom and, and, and your dad and what they were about in terms of Boy Scouts and your mom with Sunday school. Michaela, like you're, you're really discipling young people. And I love it because uh, not only are you discipling them like, you know, in the areas of uh, of what they're interested in academically, but when you hit on uh, character and you're talking about ethics and a lot of the things that uh, some people feel like are, are missing, quote unquote, into in today's youth, um, 
you're just you really are following a, a, a phenomenal model of discipleship. And, and like you said, <laughs> for it to feel like uh, like you live or that that you are in a, a dormitory at the end of the day, I think that really talks to uh, your your commitment to, to the kids. And so uh, so this 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 whole concept of, of of unschooling, I love it because it really does focus on uh, the student as the individual so that they can then become uh super influential and and just super useful you know to the to r- real world solutions kind of going back to what you were saying at the beginning um with the bridge illustration you know like hey like how not only are we going to construct this bridge but how is it going to affect the community that it's in how is it going to affect things uh economically so i love how how holistic um everything is that uh that, that we're talking about hey tell me um man there's so much we could talk about. Okay, tell me uh, this: if you um, were to uh, have to fill in the blank, um, the life school is a major success because we do blank. How would you, how would you fill that that blank in? The life school is a major success because uh, every student gets to be their own person mm-hmm. and gets to be their true self. It, it seems like that's that's a core value, uh, not only of of the school, but it, it seems like that that's been a, a huge core value of of yours. Kind of like in your kind of hear you unpack um, your educational experience and, and even your professional experience. Um, why is that so important in in today's culture? Like give, giving students the or kids the chance to be their true selves, as as opposed to trying to fit them in what we feel like that they should be. But why is that, why is that so important? Well, I mean, I think if, you know, students are going to grow up and to really make a contribution to the world, they have to know, you know, who they are and, you know, what their unique voice is. And um, so there's a a writer, Nigerian writer, Chimamanda Adichie, who talks about uh, the danger of a single story. And so she talks about how people have this one picture of Africa. There's a poor kid who lives in a village with lions or something like that. Mm -hmm. But um, you would never be able to capture like a single story for uh, like white people or maybe even Hispanics or other groups. But like Africans have had this like one single story. Mm -hmm. Um, But when you really dig in, like there are so many different stories. And so she's dedicated so much of her writing to telling these like very specific stories. And so like this one family during a civil war or this one family or this one woman who came to America as an immigrant, you know, student and, um, and, and everyone, and everyone has that, like everyone could get caught up in the, the single story of being a black man or a black woman or whoever, but you have your own story and we, and you feel so much more free and so much more valued and respected when you know what that is and you get to share that with other people and then and they value that. And so we want students to have that space. But it's, you know, as high school students, you're used to the people that you've been around. You're used to the communities that you've been in. And so high school, at least our school, we really want to be the safe space where students can say, you know, I've never met a gay person before. And, you know, I'm a little homophobic. How do I deal with that? How do I like have this relationship with this person who is now my friend because we're classmates? How do we how do we learn to respect each other's stories and perspective 
or I was really a big Clinton fan and I see that you're a Trump fan and these are our diff- these are like truly who we are. How do we still be friends? How do we talk about, you know, these differences between us um, and giving students this space? If I'm going to be true and you're going to be true, how do we now live together in community and still grow and work together? Especially in light of of today's uh, climate, you know, especially com- coming off of the political elections and really like, you know, how um, how divided at times it feels like th- the country is. Like you said, I, I feel like there's a lot of power in listening to someone else's story. I think that um, that it it does pull you closer to, to that person to, to at least come to a level of understanding as opposed to like you so eloquently said with, with the the African story, instead of having this caricature of what that particular person is or what or, or what particular uh, group that person is, is a part of like you you having a a box that that you put them in because media says this is how they are or your your facebook feed says this is who they are or social media says this is who they are it's, it's something about you know being in, in in close proximity to someone who is different than you um that really is how uh healing takes place and it, it, re- it really is where a lot of power lies in, you know, in a way like turning the corner in our in our country presently. Uh, very, very well said. I, th- I think that that's so, so, so phenomenal. Um, talk to me about, you know, your upbringing as an African-American girl um, and how your parents seemingly pushed you to, to excel academically. Uh, talk to me about maybe some of the one or two experiences that you had growing up uh, as you excelled academically and, and kind of what that, if at all, what the Russell was like for you um, excelling academically. Cause I, I know for me, for me, Michaela kind of excelling academically um, where I grew up in, in South Florida, that was equated with, uh, you know, if you were seen as being smart, then you were acting white or if you talked proper, then you were talking white. Um, what was that experience like for you? If it's different, that's phenomenal. I just kind of want people to hear your story because I feel like you have a whole lot to offer with that in terms of, of your story and, and what it was like for you. Yeah, I was definitely the like smart kid growing up, I guess, in school. And so going to MIT for college meant that that's just not possible to be that person anymore because there were so many smart people. And so that was really freeing. Um, space to say, well, who else am I? Like, how else can I define myself? And so it became more about, you know, community development. I played basketball and ran track while I was there and just did other things, you know, that were important to me. Um, But growing up, I mean, my family, like I said, was really big on youth development, really big on education. Um, Just being organized and orderly was just a big part of our lives. So every summer we had this like very tight schedule for where we were and different camps that we were in, um, any opportunity to go to an event or a talk or a museum, you know, even on a vacation, there's generally some learning that was happening or some brainstorming, you know, and so that was just a part of like the culture of our family of like how do we just like share ideas and continue to think. And so even now, um, my family's like very involved with our school. My mom is um working on different ideas. My dad and my brothers, like they all have different projects that they're working on. We all work with each other. Uh, and so we're planning our Thanksgiving 
holiday together for <laughs> next week or week after. Yeah. And so we're trying to figure out like where are we going to get in our work times so that we can talk about all these things we've been emailing back and forth about. So that's just like such been such a big part of it. Um, you know, but I, I wish that there had been like some of the resources that there are now. I just wonder, you know, what we would have done with them, like Pinterest and all these ideas, home, curriculum and homeschooling ideas that people bat around and yeah. um, podcasts like this one, just so many things that are available <laughs> now to families, which is great. So I'm hoping that, you know, for my, I have a niece who's probably not too much older than your daughter and um, some younger cousins to be able to, you know, use some of those things with them to encourage them and that like, so I'll say it's a new tradition, yeah, <laughs> a new tradition in our family absolutely. of um, being critical thinkers and creative people and, and um, aspiring to to high to achieve highly. That is so great. So uh, t- take this down, parents, as you're listening. Um, there are a, a couple of core values that I'm hearing over and over again, Michaela, as, as you share your story. Um, if you're looking at Michaela, like, wow, what a phenomenal success she is. Absolutely. She is. And it sounds like what's contributed to Michaela's success are things like one structure, uh, a culture of, of learning, uh, a culture of exploration, um, a culture of where, where it sounds like the bar was set high. Um, it sounds like even, even still to today, as you're talking about, uh, Thanksgiving and, and you guys talking about work, it, it seems like your family had a culture where, um, where it seems like life was a classroom. Like, you know, it, it, it wasn't necessarily compartmentalized or, or segmented. I, it sounds like Michaela, that has a lot to do with, with your success even up until today. Would you, would you agree with that? Oh, yeah, absolutely. So- I remember working at uh, the first company where I worked. And so I was trying to understand, like, how do I sign up for stock options? And so my mom and brother, like, planned this whole thing. And they had this session where they tried to explain how stocks work and um, why I needed to invest and all of this to make sure I was, like, maximizing the opportunity. So it's always been there. Oh, that's so great. So, so great. Um, as, as you're thinking about uh, the different... Um, young people that you're touching there in the city of Atlanta. Um, fast forward with me in, in the next 10 years. Um, what are a few things that you want to be said about the students that graduate from the life school? So we've kind of already filled in the blank about, you know, the life school will be a success or is, is, is a success because of blank. But fast forward 10 years to the future. Uh, what are some some things that you want to be said about the kids that are graduating from the life school? Yeah, I would I would want to, people to say that um, they're kind, like that they respect other people, that they're open to other ideas, that they're you know nice. Yeah. Um, and I would want people to say that they're doing really cool stuff, not just like <laughs> on a surface level, but that's like really meaningful. That wow, they grew that stock portfolio or wow, they bought their own car, you know, or they pay their own tuition. I'm sure all our parents would love if their kids were paying their own tuition. Um, and so the, that they're doing things that are interesting and, and novel. And um, and I would say that they're um, doing work that um, adds value. Yeah, yeah. 
That's great. Value. Like you said, it's, it sounds really simple, but it's also important. Being being nice uh, is is huge because you can you can definitely be uh, educated and innovative, but but just be a totally mean uh, jerk while you're doing it. So <laughs> so being nice is is super important. Um, to kind of wrap things up, Michaela, um, each student upon graduating from the life school has a professional mission statement. Uh, that's that's a really powerful concept. Uh, tell us more about that. And if you have any students who currently uh, are drafting those or who, or who have drafted those, uh, give us an example of what that would sound like. Right. So I mean, we think about the stage of high school and adolescence as, you know, answering these big questions about life. Mm-hmm. And so you know, students get, you know, algebra credit and world history credit, you know, as we unpack all the interdisciplinary products that they're doing. But, um, you know, at the heart of it, it's like our, your readiness to graduate is dependent on whether you have this vision for your life and um, whether you have a clearly mapped out set of next steps. So whether that's college or a gap year or whatever, um, how does it all fit together and how does it connect to all the things that you've been doing? while you were in high school. And so that gets captured really neatly in the mission statement. And so I'm trying to think of the different students that we have now. So the oldest we have are, are juniors. So but what would they say? So I think one might say, um, you know, I create beautiful sounds, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And, and so that might be uh, for a song that might be for a, you know, a performance or for a video or a movie, which is like creating like beautiful sounds and, and maybe even other visual things. Um, another student might say, um, you know, I'm a, a young mogul, you know, determined to, you know, take on the world, you know, yeah. and so that a college would be able to really get a quick sense of, who he is and what he values uh, or she, um, but also that for that student, that that's something that they can continue as their own personal kind of tagline to say, you know, this is, this is what I'm about. Like, this is the work that I want to do now and going forward, you know, as well. And it really gives a, a like a foundation for, you know, anything else that you might learn about them, about the work that they've done or the work that they're planning. Absolutely. And you're making them marketable. You know, I, th- I think that that's so neat because um, a part of the real world is competition for opportunity. And so uh, how cool would it be if if someone's looking at a, a, a college, uh, a college essay or they're looking at um, a kid's resume of sorts, if they see uh, their professional mission statement ac- across the top as opposed to to just seeing the the typical academic achievements, so like you said, like that that definitely stands out and uh, and makes them so much more um, so much more appealing, you know, and and really, and really gives them uh, an edge that's refreshing and and it's different. So how neat for you to incorporate that um, and what you guys are doing there in Atlanta, Georgia. Hey, anything else uh, that you want the listeners to know, like, for example, how they can get in contact with you, how they can support what you're doing? Um, anything else? Yep. So our website is the life school, L-I-F-E dot C-O. And so there's a form on there. 
if anyone wants to reach out and talk with me, there's also tons of information about our school and other programs doing similar kinds of things that we're doing. Um, and then Thanksgiving is coming up and, and different, different campaigns that we're running to, to be able to grow our school and provide more resources and capacity for our students. So people want to jump in and help with that or with other things, you know, we always love the support. Hey, we're so proud of you. Um, I think, uh, to see how you are advancing forward and how you're changing lives, um, how you're, you're helping to shape culture both presently and in the future. Uh, it is such an encouragement to our soul here at the black lady podcast. Um, cause we are definitely all about motivating and, and inspiring. So Michaela, your story, uh, what you're doing, your upbringing, uh, what you stand for, it is super inspiring to, to, to so many people. So, Hey, as this, as this episode goes out, um, I'm definitely, uh, confident that many people will be touched and that, uh, and that God is going to use it to, uh, to inspire some parent to not only feel empowered, uh, to take more control, not control, but to, to take more of a, to have more of, of a say so and an influence on their child's, uh, educational experience, but then also, uh, for them to see, um, a young lady like yourself who, because of, again, because of the foundation that her parents provided her, uh, that she could be the success that you are. So, Hey, thank you so much for being just so open and sharing your story. And, but then also giving us a lot of practical tools and tips and a lot of things to help us understand not only what you're doing in Atlanta, but, uh, giving us some alternative educational, uh, situations that, that we can look into. Thank you so much, Michaela. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Listeners, we'd love to hear from you. Have questions, concerns, or comments? Email us at hello at blackdaddypodcast.com and follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Black Daddy Now. And as always, subscribe, rate, and review the podcast in the iTunes app. See you next week on the Black Daddy Podcast.